Welcome, everybody, to the Uncharted Veterinary Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Andy Rourke. Guys, I am here today with the one and only Brett Canfield. Guys, I'm going to introduce Brett in just a minute. He has been working with Uncharted for a couple of years now. I uh, I like to have him lecture at our conferences. He is a fantastic facilitator. I like the way he thinks. Um, he and I are going to be breaking down a question from the mailbag. It is all about... Um, we have a practice owner who is a golden retriever, and we have a, an associate vet that is the opposite of a golden retriever, and uh, they get along well, but the staff doesn't handle this mixture of uh, of the two doctors. We also, uh, our, our non-golden retriever tends to be a bit critical when people make mistakes, and it's off-putting, especially to new staff members. This is a coaching conversation, guys. It is a really good one. I hope that you guys will enjoy it. Also, at the end of this episode, I mentioned that Brett is going to be joining me and Stephanie Goss at, uh, at our Uncharted Practice Owners Summit. And I mentioned the dates, I get them wrong because I don't know what they are. But I'm going to tell you right now, the Practice Owner Summit is in person in December. It is the 8th through the 10th, confirming that. Yep, it is December 8th through the 10th in Greenville, South Carolina, my hometown at the Weston Poinsettia. Uh, we're going to be getting together. It's only open to practice owners. It's only open to practice owners who are uncharted members. And so if you are one of those people, uh, if you're both of those, Go ahead and get registered and play. Well, you can't get registered yet. Registration is coming. Put it on your calendar. Mark yourself out of the clinic, December 8th through the 10th. If you are not an Uncharted member, but a practice owner, and you're like, I want to hang out with other practice owners at a practice owner only event, um, go ahead and get your Uncharted membership. Uh, registration is coming soon. It's an investment in yourself that you'll be glad that you made. Anyway, guys, let's get into this. And now, the Uncharted Podcast. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, to the podcast. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, the podcast. Brett Canfield. How are you? Fabulous. How are you doing? I'm doing really well, man. I really appreciate you coming here and, and making time to work through this with me. How you been? Life has been good. You know, I mean, it's veterinary medicine, so it's it's chaotic and it's busy and it's yeah. hectic, and uh, we wouldn't have it any other way, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Maybe short breaks. Yeah. Uh, maybe short breaks <laughs> from it if we could. Just, just like a little turn it down to like turn down the volume a little bit sometimes right. but for the most yeah. part no i agree it's pretty good um for those who don't know you you are uh, you do a lot of things you've been working with us at uncharted for a couple of years now coming in doing sessions lectures i pulled you in i pulled you in for a number of different uh jobs that we do because you are an outstanding facilitator and thinker you do a great job of of getting people talking of making conversations go to good places and uh, it's just a skill of yours that i've always admired i i i aspire to be as good a facilitator one day as you are, uh, but you uh, you were also the director of organizational development for Summit, which is kind of hey, probably a side thing that you do when you're not <laughs> hanging out with Uncharted and doing and doing stuff with us. But um, but anyway, you are a person who has really good insight, and I have a question that I think you're uniquely you have a very specific set of skills uh, for this for this question. And I was hoping you'd unpack it with me. You up for it? I'd love to. I think you may have oversold me just a, just a skosh, but um, you know, let's, <laughs> let's give it a whirl anyway. I like it. <laughs> uh, here, here we go. Great. We got a uh, question in the mailbag. It's from a longtime listener, first time caller. Uh, she's a practice manager. Uh, she's got a privately owned two veterinarian small animal clinic. Uh, the practice owner and the associate vet have wildly different personalities. So while they get along, we have had difficulties with new staff. 
So the way that I really like the way she sets this up. So she describes the practice owner. Uh, I'm assuming that that our writer is is she. Uh, she describes the practice owner with uh, as being a, basically a golden retriever of a person. What <laughs> I love because this is like one of my favorite breeds. Uh, she loves everyone. Is always on the move. Is pretty laid back. Has no attention span. The staff <laughs> love her, and she loves to teach newbies. When someone makes a harmless mistake and is accountable, she always tells them, "Hey." I F up more than anyone. It's how you handle it that matters. And I would just put a pin right here and say, I love this person. <laughs> I'm, I'm ready. Right. I'm ready to go work with this vet right now. All right. <laughs> the the associate is the opposite. She has a great relationship with the practice owner and with me. After a rocky six months, she now has one technician that she trusts and another that she at least likes. She came to us from a toxic clinic and she knew she had some neuroses from that. We hope that our laid back, respectful and positive culture uh, might help relax uh, her some. In a lot of ways, it has. The one thing that hasn't improved is a biggie, though. She is consistently off-putting with how she treats new people. I've had multiple new people come to me frustrated and upset about not knowing how to communicate with her. The practice owner and I have both tried to talk with her about it. Um, if an employee makes the smallest of mistakes, in quotes, she immediately doesn't trust them with anything. She will frequently complain about something little that an employee did after the fact. And so that's, let's go ahead and just start with that. Um, things seem to be getting worse instead of better. Um, we 110% want everyone who works here to treat each other with respect. How do we address this? What actions can the PO and I take? That's, that's the question that we got. I, uh, I want to just go ahead and start to open that up. Uh, Brett, do you have initial ideas on this, uh, on this question? Have you seen anything like this before? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. It's, it's a doozy, right? Because it, it involves a, a whole lot of different factors, as, as a lot of our questions do. I do feel like I've, I've seen this before. Um, I mean, one of the things that I love and that I'm very passionate about are, are elements like team dynamics and okay. communication and culture and things like that. And, and this particular question seems to touch on a lot of those. Things. Yeah. You know, right off the cuff, here are my first reactions. The first thing I'm going to say is this is actually a really good thing. It just doesn't feel like a really good thing yet. Um, the reason it's a really good thing is because you've got, you know, the, the two veterinarians in this practice, they communicate very, very differently. And the reason that's such a good thing is because when, when I've been into practices that have a really, really, really fundamentally hard time changing their culture and really struggle, it tends to be because there's several people in the clinic that all communicate the same way. And once that happens, unfortunately, it's a very narrow communication scope, right? So God forbid you have a client come in that communicates differently than the way that you all communicate. You might have absolutely no capacity to deal with that person. Um, yeah. The fact that you've got some variety of team dynamics, some diversity of, of team dynamics could actually be a really good thing. Um, and we'll see if you and I can can unpack that in a little bit and, and yeah, figure out how to how to make it a good thing, right? Make it feel like a, a good thing. That's <laughs> a very positive way to look at this. I, I, I definitely like it. All right, yeah, let's, so let's start to unpack this. Yeah. So, so I... I like what you're saying about diversity of team dynamics. I think that's really interesting. Let's 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 get into headspace. So the so way we break these 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 cases down. First thing we do is talk about headspace, and second thing we do is is to talk about specific action steps. What will we say? How do we say yeah. it? So so let's get into headspace. I really like your idea. I think you've already framed this in a really really positive way. Of um, this is this is this is 
just a different it's a different team dynamic. I think I think that that's really great. I think if you identify the associate that as a problem, then anytime you label a person as a problem, you've got you've got you've got issues, right? Because Absolutely. people don't change all that much. Behaviors can change. People people don't change. And uh, and I I don't I don't get that necessarily from the writer that that but but there's some some degree of that. So I really do like that a lot. I, I think it's important this. I have a fantasy that lives in my mind is that if you set this, if you set a perfect culture, right, and you've got a really positive place, um, you can overcome almost any challenge, right, with with good, positive team culture. Um, Agreed. I like and I, I appreciate that the writer said she's come a long way and things have gotten a lot better in a lot of regards. And I, I say, good, that that's that jives with what I've seen. At the end, a positive culture does not undo past traumatic experiences, no. you know, or or hard ingrained um, patterns of behavior. And so this all tracks with kind of about what I see uh, as far as the impact we can expect to make. So I guess in Headspace, what I would say is, you know, uh, we're talking about, again, I think this person who's writing has already done a lot of really good things of saying, hey, uh, this is a, something that that uh, our doctor picked up at a previous practice that was a really bad experience, and a lot of these are coping mechanisms. Yeah, and yeah. she she's came been from a place before, where, right? I exactly mean, right. It happens. Yeah, exactly right. And she and and she's had trust violated probably probably during a formative mm-hmm. time, right? Especially if you're a young vet and and you mm-hmm. get burned a couple of times, those lessons tend to stick with you. And so I, I think that that's just all. Oh, this is a really healthy headspace to start coming from. So I I really like that a lot. Agreed. Yeah, agreed. I. I think you nailed it. I mean, I think whenever we look at people as problems, then we're, we're setting ourselves up for failure. There's some great literature yeah. written about the difference between a problem and a paradox. And they're not the same thing, right? I always look at a problem as, as sort of a surgical experiment. There's an issue. You find the issue. You remove the issue. Sew the mm-hmm. culture back up. You're good to go, right? Most right. of this stuff, it doesn't work that way. This is derm. This is internal med, right? <laughs> like it's muddy, it's messy. It's diagnosis by exclusion. It's management, not necessarily just surgery. Um, and I think this is a similar situation, right? I don't think that this is a problem. I think this is a paradox. I think that you've got yeah. two different people that communicate very, very differently. And both of them probably think that their style of communication is the, the right style of communication, mm-hmm. right? So, yeah. So no, from a headspace perspective, I think, I think that's a big part of it. And... Like anything else, I, I think I think that some of what we're talking about probably relates back to expectations and agreements. I think part mm-hmm. of what we're talking about that absolutely relates to communication and team dynamics. And I think part of what we're talking about always bubbles up to culture, right? Yeah. Always bubbles up to culture. So there's a few different ways to, to kind of look at this from, right? A few different lenses. Talk to me a bit about expectations and agreements. So, so yeah. you, you put that out and say, something comes from expectations and agreements. Get me into the headspace where I'm thinking about expectations and agreements. Help me understand where you're coming from when you say that. For sure. I mean, whenever I look at a problem like this, one of the questions I have is that when, when I'm trying to work with somebody who communicates differently than I am, I have a lot of expectations in my head. Yeah. And I might not be aware of those expectations, right? But if I like to communicate a certain way, I often don't understand or don't appreciate why somebody might communicate differently than I do. Because to me, there's yeah. a right way to communicate. It's the way that I communicate. <laughs> and I don't understand why somebody would do it differently. Yeah. And we do that a lot. So in this case, the practice manager may have already done a bang up job of communicating with this associate vet and saying, you know, um, fabulous associate vet, there's 99 things that you do right. Um, that being said, I, I am going to challenge you on this one. I do think sometimes you can come across as distrustful. I think that yeah. uh, you can come across as, as inaccessible. And I want to challenge you and, and work with you on that. 
And I want you to understand that, that this is really important. So as we have our conversations moving forward, right, I want us to agree, instead of it being an expectation that only lives in my stupid little noodle, I, I want us to agree that this is something that is happening, that it's something yeah. that we can work on together, and it's, it's important, right? Yeah. I, I like that a lot. That, I think that that's, I think that's a, I will talk about how to do that when we get into action steps. Yeah. I, I think that that's really true. It's, it's taking this thing that's going on inside my mind as the manager and bring out and externalizing in a place where we can all look at it in, in a really productive way. You know, the other, the other thing that, that I see when I, when I read through this question and some of the little examples that, that came along with it, one of the things that I see, and I don't know if this is the right term for it, but I, I think of it as a justice mindset. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so there, there are people who are like, there is one way to do it. And if that person didn't do it, it's because they lack integrity. They supposed they're supposed to follow what's in the handbook, and they did not, and that shows a failing of their moral character. <laughs> they have let our patients down, and that may sound extreme, but I I see that mentality sometimes. It, it it's about um it's about fairness and acting in a way that that lets me trust you and things like that. And so what what really is a, a minor human mistake in this person's mind becomes this person can't be trusted and more so this person uh, has hurt me and and, and I, I think a lot of us maybe go into that mindset sometimes I've seen people who are struggling with like depression or burnout definitely go into that mindset but I think some people kind of live uh, probably from past experiences they can live in that mindset where if they get if they feel let down it's a one strike in your out policy mm -hmm. yep. and I, I now we're really into sort of some people's psychology but what I'll say is you know if you're a person who has that mindset or you find yourself going innately to that behavior that's really career limiting for you because everybody makes mistakes and if they get written off as a person when they when they make a minor mistake, then you're going to be real lonely yep. for for a yep. long time. And so I, I do see yep. that. And Agreed. so we have to figure out how to, you know, how to work with those people. And so that brings mm -hmm. me around to to a piece of it for me really is I I may have this problem figured out about what we need to do and where we need to go, but I need to make sure that this associate vet feels very heard mm -hmm. and that they feel understood in their behavior and they feel seen for the way that they approach these things. Because if I try to say, look, yep. you're jumping to this conclusion and you're mistreating this person and that's not healthy and that's not reasonable, I, I'm really dismissing this what this person's concerns are. Yep. And I'm not saying I agree with them, but I need them to at least feel heard that they and feel like they have a valid concern about, yeah, it's true. Sometimes if you don't hold people accountable or if we don't enforce standards, then medical uh, quality can slip right. down to an unacceptable level right. like that. That does happen. And, and that is something that we're very aware of. And you're not wrong to be thinking about that. Yeah. And I think just having that conversation, getting that part out into the open, that oftentimes can set that person at ease. And so I think the, bet, between the two of us, I think we've really come up with a nice little combination of, you know, what, acknowledging this, this associate that's concerns and where they're coming from, uh, setting expectations about what they're doing and what the impact that it's having and how we want them to behave. And then also uh, just going on and, and challenging them to 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 make some to make some improvements while also still keeping a good focus on the things that they're that they're good at right mm -hmm. not letting this become the focal defining point of oh, exactly. them as a doctor in, in fact that I, I you know I'll 
I'll jump into that. In my experience with team dynamics, one of the most interesting points I keep coming back to is that we often have a mentality where people have strengths and people have weaknesses. Um, yep. and, and I think it's, it's not necessarily more complex than that, but I think it's different than that. I think the truth is that oftentimes our biggest challenges don't come from our, our weaknesses, he says with air quotes. I think that our greatest challenges actually come from our strengths, either unfocused or in excess. So I would even also look at this associate bet and say, this person doesn't have a problem with, with trust, right? This isn't a weakness. Mm -hmm. This person is probably, and I'm totally guessing, I know very little about this yeah. person, but they're probably sure, pretty exactly good right. at medicine, right? Yeah, I, I make the guess. Part of the sure. reason that they're distrustful sometimes of staff is because they probably do have very high and very exacting standards of success. It probably makes them a very good clinician, mm -hmm. right? So, so part of the challenge here is that making sure that this person's strengths don't become their dragon, right? right? And yeah, and it's like you said, Doctor Andy. I, I think, I think that you know the other challenge is that we'll sometimes look at the team and say, okay, I like the way this person communicates. They communicate the way I want people to communicate, but this person communicates badly or poorly, or, or I don't like the way this person communicates. And I think one of the, one of the mindsets we have to have in looking at this is that I think we need to honor the uniqueness, even celebrate the uniqueness mm -hmm. of this associate vet and her approach. But I think okay. that we have to help her become the best version of herself, right? So let me put it this way. I, I look at this associate vet like a little bit of a cat. Okay. okay. They're not going to trust somebody right away. They're skeptical. You got to earn yeah. everything. You got to earn their trust, earn their affection, earn their loyalty, earn their respect. And then you got the owner who's a golden retriever who you seems like, hey, retriever. I don't know you, but I love you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, you're yeah, never going to turn the calico the cat. <laughs> That's right. That's right. You're never going to turn a calico cat into a golden retriever. And you're never going to turn a golden retriever into a calico cat. And if we try to do that, there's going to be a lot of suffering. So I, I like think what we're lot. allowed to say is you be a cat. But you yeah. be the best version the best of that. Cat. Be the best cat. Right. She's like, you're trying the golden right. retriever thing again. Cat. I'm like, oh yeah, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. Right. No, yeah. that's perfect. Yeah. I, I, it's great. You know, I, I love I love your point about about um basically I, I talk a lot about most of our strengths are double-edged swords. Uh, you know, most of them are. Being charismatic has uh strengths and it has drawbacks. They're like they're like this vet can make friends with anybody. Yeah, they're also always 30 minutes late because they can't get out of the exam room because they're being friendly. You know, it's like yep. everybody's got got strengths that at some point become uh, become a become a weakness. You have people who are great at spotting potential problems. The downside is that they have a habit of coming off as the negative Nelly who craps on everything. It's like, well, they they're very good at avoiding catastrophe by seeing potential problems. But but there's yeah. that there's that downside to that same skill. So yeah, I, I like that That's a lot. It. One of my favorite uh, one of my favorite sayings for this is don't ask a fish to climb a tree. And I, I think that that is true too. Whereas when you have, I see this. I'll give you the example that I that I see from this all the time is. So we have a we have a profession full of perfectionists, and our perfectionists yes. are really in a bind right now because they got too much work to do and not enough time to do it. And this this Brett is the perfectionist a crucible because yes. you, it needs to be done and it needs to be done perfectly. And there's more work than I can possibly do. And if I give this to someone else, they won't do it as well as That's I'll right. do it, or they won't do it the way that I do it. And so now I, as a perfectionist, am really in a vice grip and there's no way out of this mm -hmm. uh, is how it feels. And it's Agreed. that 
That perfectionism, uh, it makes them a wonderful clinician, but it really hinders their ability to delegate and rely on other people and to adapt to a high workload beyond how many hours they have in a day. And so anyway, but that's what I see a lot. It almost feels like that when we talk about this, this bet. Okay. Yeah. So that's, I think that's Agreed. what I got for Headspace. I, I, I feel like I'm in a pretty good like place it. to start putting together an action plan. Anything else, do you, yeah. philosophically, anything else we need to be thinking about? I think we nailed it, honestly. Uh, I'm going to declare I victory and, and we can start polishing our laurels. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I think we can just, just break right here and have a beer. We crushed I think. it, yeah. This is done. <laughs> yeah, this is done. All right. Okay. So let's, uh, let's take a break for a second and then we'll come back and do the action steps. I love it. Let's do it. Hey, have you all seen the upcoming events page over at the unchartedvet.com website? If you haven't been over there lately, head on over and take a look at all of the amazing stuff that we have coming up for you and your teams in the coming weeks. In fact, I am super excited because I'm going to be doing a workshop on November 9th at 7 p.m. Eastern, so that's 4 p.m. Pacific, and it is going to be a two-hour workshop, so we'll be done at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. It is on conflict resolution, because let's be honest, the veterinary community is often a conflict-averse group, but struggles and uh, challenges with conflict are part of our daily journey in vet med, whether we like it or not. So we are going to come together. We are going to talk about some tools to help you thrive in the face of adversity, how to come together as a team in the heat of challenges, and, and hopefully... Hopefully, and this is a big, hairy, audacious goal, but hopefully you'll be able to make you feel better and feel like you have some tools in your toolbox to help make hardship um, and conflict in your practice a little bit easier to deal with. So if you would love to come and join us, head on over to the website, unchartedvet.com forward slash events, and you can see the registration for this and all the rest of the things that we have coming up because we have got even more good stuff. And now back to the podcast. All right, uh, Brett, let's get into our action steps here. Let's do it. So we got, I think we got our head in a pretty good place. I, I love talking about the, you know, diversity, uh, the dynamic uh, team nature, the fact that this person is not bad. They're, 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 uh, I love that they're a calico cat and uh, they're not, they're not a golden retriever like the practice owner. And I, I, I will tell you, I think the potential here is really great because I don't think you want two golden retrievers it, as, as veterinarians, like you may love to having two mm-hmm. golden retrievers, but. In our metaphor, a practice with two right. golden retrievers is exhausting because they run everywhere yep. and they love on everybody. And, and at some point, you need a cat to be like, hey, look, let's bring this down. Yep. And, and, right. get organized. and you're not going to be in the OR until 2.30 in the afternoon every day. And you're not going <laughs> to, yep. you know, you're going to run an hour and a half late on every exam. Yeah. I mean, you, yep. you got, exactly. you know, look, having, having two golden retrievers is great as long as every single client you see only wants golden retriever energy. That, but yes. I doubt that that's the case. <laughs> that is, I can tell you as a fellow golden retriever, it's not the case. There are clients that are like, that guy's too much. We need to turn him down. All right. Yeah. All right. Cool. Right. Let's go ahead. Uh, let's go ahead and make some action steps. So you're the practice manager. You've got this doctor. You want to go. And what I would say is this is going to be a coaching conversation. I, it's, it's how I see it. I don't know if you see it that way. But uh, you've got this coaching conversation. How do you set the table, Brett? So let's let's get into the nuts and bolts. What does this look like? Yeah, great question. I, I would absolutely have a coaching conversation with this vet. Um, honestly, I, I would also probably have a second component, which is I would probably adopt some stuff from sort of a holistic team perspective as well. But let's, okay. let's talk about the coaching conversation first, because I think that ha- okay. absolutely has to happen. Right. This Calico Cat is extremely conflict averse based on what I'm hearing. So yeah. one of the things that I would want to do 
is make sure that this person felt very, very safe. Okay. Right? Yeah. Um, I would make sure this didn't feel like an attack. I would make sure this didn't feel like an intervention. Because I think once you get somebody into that place, they're going to hit threshold. They're going to shut down. Their fight, flight, freeze, fidget is going to kick in. And they're probably mm-hmm. not going to be receptive to the to the coaching. Yeah. Right? So for, from my perspective, I would probably just lay some groundwork and probably say, you know, the quick version of, is sort of what we touched on earlier, which is like, you, you do so much stuff that is going well. And yeah. I hope that I've done a good job acknowledging those things. And if I haven't, I'm going to work hard because I mm-hmm. really value you and I really value what you bring to the team. So much so that I think there is actually an area that we can do better. Yeah. Let me let me jump in here for a second and just say, I, I love, yeah, I, I, I love that you show vulnerability first. I think that that I think that that's a really important part of this conversation. I think it's a really good skill is to say, hey, I you know I if I haven't communicated that, then I need I, I it's something I'm working on is to make sure you know that I communicate these things ahead of time. And and I love it. I think I think going into a coaching conversation with the ability to own anything that you can own, and to and to uh, I don't want to say criticism, but 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 essentially lay some criticism on yourself and, and say, hey, look, you know, this yeah. is the thing that I'm working on. Uh, we're we're all trying to get better, uh, and I'm going to keep working on it. I think that is a great way of going first by saying I'm going to accept some feedback, some negative feedback from myself, and commit to working yep. on that. And that really hopefully says I'm I'm going to do this. I'm going to go first. It's not me calling you in here and criticizing you. We're talking about this, but I'm going to own as much of it as I can and say, look, I have things to work on as well. And so I just I just want to jump in and praise that specific point before we get too far and say I really like the way you set that up. Uh, I I've, I've learned from some really good folks that. I think if you approach any coaching conversation from a an authoritarian standpoint, right, a command and control standpoint, it, yeah. it's not going to usually be well received, right? And and I think I think the truth is none of us are perfect. And if you can go into the conversation with that in mind, I mean, there have been even times I've sat down with somebody and I've said, I've been thinking a little bit about this conversation, and I'll be honest, I'm a little bit nervous because I don't want this to happen. I don't want you to walk away from this being offended. Um, I don't you want you walking away from this thinking that you're not exceptional at your job. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I'm going to try really hard to do a good job and and to try to prevent those things from happening. But if I screw up, I'm just going to ask for your forgiveness in advance because um, I don't want those things to happen. You're really important. Right? I love it. Yeah, um, that's great. I think oh, what, man, that's that's gold. I, I think once you've done yeah. that, I think you just lay out the challenge and say, here's the behavior that I've observed, I think, again, as much as you can own it yourself, it's important because if this person is automatically distrusting and you say, hey, I've gotten some feedback from the team, their mind is immediately going to go to who talked, who squealed, who told you what? I want to know. I have the right to face my accusers. And it's like, you do not want to open that particular barrel of monkeys. So I would say, here's what I've observed. I've observed that you have a very high standard in terms of what you expect the staff to meet, what you expect from yourself. And I think that's a really good thing. I think the way that yeah. that high standard comes across sometimes is I think it comes across as you being distrustful of the team. And I think it also comes across sometimes as you being somewhat unforgiving of the team. And, mm. and you know, our, our practice manager who submitted this did an outstanding job of submitting, you know, a couple specific examples to us. Yeah. I do the same thing in that conversation, right? Because that way it's not some nebulous thing. I would say, hey, for example, last Thursday, here's an encounter that I observed, right? And, yeah. And then... I think at that point, you have to do the hardest thing for me personally, which is to shut up for five seconds and say, quick pause. That's where I think we are. Give me some, give me some feedback. Yeah. And and one of the ways I really like to ask that, and there's a very tactical reason, is I'll say, now, is this something that you're aware of? Is this something that you also see as a challenge for you? Or 
is this more of an optics problem? And yeah. what I mean by that is, is this isn't what's in my heart. I don't feel like I'm distrusting, but the team is perceiving that I am. Yeah. Because it gives them an okay. out. Yeah, right? I love that. Yeah, I really love that. So, so let me, I want to validate a couple of things you said and then sure. kind of explain a, a few places that, that I think are important. Um, one, I think you're right about the authoritarian approach to feedback, but God, Brett, um, so many of us think this is supposed to be authoritarian. You know, I, I coach vets, especially vets in, in, in larger like corporate groups where they have a, 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 an established evaluation process, which totally makes sense. But it is an evaluation process and it happens once a year or twice a year and people come in and they get evaluated. And I'm like, well, then I'm the evaluator and this, I will evaluate you. Right. And it, it, it like the whole thing feels like it's supposed to be authoritarian or militaristic, you know, where you come in and I will tell you, soldier, what you, you know, what you did and what you didn't do. And I think that that whole vibe sets people up for failure from the very beginning. Agreed. It really needs to be, it really needs to be conversational. So I, I like that you just called that out, but I really think that that is a wild misperception in evaluating, giving feedback. Is it supposed to have this power inequality between the person giving the feedback and the person receiving? And I go, it's, it's really not. The best, the best coaching is, is feels peer to peer, even if it's not. And so I really, I really like that you said that. I also really like, you know, again, we go back to, I, I, I love you gave a couple of advan- examples of how to be vulnerable, sort of opening up and saying, hey, you know, if I make a mistake with this, please forgive me and, 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 and know that you're, you're really great in your job. I, I really also like very much that you pause and say, does it, is this surprising? Does, you know, does this, does this feel valid in any way? Or, or is this, is this off, off bat or off base? You know, well, it's funny, the way I talk about uh, about the perception problem versus the reality problem, I really like that you you set it up that way. You know, um, I tell a story sometimes of like, I, um, I, I, I was busting my butt and my wife was, uh, she was teaching abroad. So she, she went for a couple of weeks to Ecuador and she was teaching, she's a college professor. And so she went and she was teaching this, it's a hard, it's a really hard job where she has to go to Ecuador and teach about biology to college students. Um, right. and so, so she, so she, so she sucked it up for the team and she did it. Um, but she was gone. Uh, the kids, the kids were much younger. So I, I had young kids and, and I was working really hard. I had a bunch of work coming down the pipes. I was working really hard. And so uh, I decided what I would do is just take my kids up to my parents' house for the weekend. And I would take them up there and they would get great grandkid time and I would tuck away and just do work. And so I went up there and I didn't set that expectation with my parents. I just showed up with the kids and they sort of said, hey, you know, we're going to come. And they were excited. And then I disappeared into a, a room and just worked on my laptop for two days. And then when I was leaving, my dad was like, you know, son, I'm kind of worried about the relationship you have with your kids. And man, that hit me like a hammer. You know what I mean? I was like, oh my God, my dad said that he's worried about the relationship that I have with my kids. Yeah. And and I, I was really positive by it. So I called my brother because he knows me and he knows my dad. And I said, I'm good, and he's my best friend. And so I said, hey, you know, uh, dad said this to me. I mean, I'm really wrestling with it. And he said, Andy, I've known you for 40 years. Um, you have a great relationship with your kids. Uh, you have a perception problem. All that he saw was you there showing up, jumping your kids and going into a bedroom. He thinks this is the norm in how you live your life. And you and I know that this was 100% not the norm. This is an exceptional circumstance where you changed your behavior radically because you thought that that was was something you needed to do. And so he said, you have a perception problem. And that was the best example in my life of going, oh, he's right. 
I do have a great relationship with my kids. I know I do. But my father's perception of my relationship was not accurate. Right. And so I, I really like that you called that out and said, is this a, do you think this is a perception problem? And, you know, that can 100% be true. And people will say, but Andy, if the whole team thinks that she's curt or she's mean, then surely that's not a perception problem because everyone thinks it. And what I would say is, you know, part of culture is uh, is collaborative creation of narratives. That's right. You know, that's and right. once people start to talk to each other, it's possible the team has decided that she's angry, unforgiving. And the truth is she's like, well, I just don't know how to tell them that they didn't do it right. That's right. That's right. And, and and they're taking and, it really personally. And, and you're allowing that you're allowing that possibility, right? I mean, if you say to somebody, look, I know what's in your heart. You're obviously a distrusting person. You obviously don't care about your team, right? Again, that's not yeah. going to be a good coaching conversation, <laughs> no. right? But if I just no. say to you, you know, Dr. Andy, you got two choices, right? Because let me put it this way. The choice of, hey, this isn't actually a challenge, th that's not a choice. You do have a choice, though. Yeah. Is this a challenge that you acknowledge is happening in reality and that you're aware of? Or is this a, cho a challenge Right. Where you're like, that's not what's in my heart. I'm not a distrusting person. I like our team. So yeah. you guys are wrong. And it's like, no, there's still a, a, a challenge to be addressed. And the challenge to be addressed is you're coming across as being distrusting or curt or whatever word you want to use. Right. And the yeah. good news is the truth is in this particular scenario, the solution to both of those challenges happens to be the same. Right. Yeah. If somebody says, yes, I'm distrusting in my heart. Okay. Let's talk about the solution. If they say, I'm not distrusting in my heart, but I'm coming across that way, it happens to be the same solution, which is now yeah. let's have a conversation, right? About how to, how to change the, the, the how, right? How to change how you're being perceived, how you're coming across. Um, yeah. And that can be very collaborative too. That's right. We can say, well, this is the perception that we're getting. What, what do you think? And quite honestly, if it is a perception problem, the person who was there saying the things and doing the things probably has more insight than I do about what they might do differently. And of course, there's ways that I can smooth this over. You know, I can be a messenger and a peacemaker and, and go to the staff and say, hey, guys, this is something that I've kind of heard. And I want you guys to to, to sort of hear the other side of it and, and you know, and let's let's give grace that we wish that we would receive yeah, exactly. from other people. Exactly. And, and I think that we can very much, and again, I wouldn't say to the technicians, how dare you? How dare you miscast our beloved doctor? I would say, you know, hey, we, we're all doing our best and, you know, nobody wants to feel preached at or judged. I, I get it. At the same time, you know, no one communicates perfectly all the time. And so, you know, we want to make sure that we're assuming good intentions in in our colleagues right. and the people that we work with and, right. and, and start with that. Well, and that's why I said the second component to this, I think, has to be more of a holistic conversation as a team about our culture. Right. Yeah. Because I, I like that you put that out there. Right. There's a couple quick things to dip into. Thing number one is is you have the coaching conversation with your Calico vet. But then you have a yep. conversation with your team and say, folks, we've 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 had a coaching conversation. Now, I'm not going to get into the nitty gritty because I don't I don't air out other people's dirty laundry any more than I would sure. air out yours. But we've had a conversation. This is something that we're working on together. Now I need you all to hit that reset button. Yeah, I need you to hit that reset button because otherwise what you're going to get is a lot of confirmation bias. Once yes. the team has decided that this person's Kurt, any slight example of this person being Kurt, they're going to have out their little clipboards and they're going to be like, oh, she did it again. She did it again. Oh, yep. she was Kurt. And it's like, time out. I love yep. your word, Dr. Andy. We're going to give this person some grace. Yeah. We're going to assume the good. We're going to recognize that this is challenging. And we're going to allow this person the opportunity to be better. Yeah. Right. The other thing I would probably do is I'd probably take the team through, you know, a workshop or maybe even a couple workshops 
on things like courageous conversations. And, you know, you and I talked mm-hmm. about resources, so I can geek out about yeah. that all day. But there's a few yeah. sort of established established tools for how do we as a team get better at showing each other that we do care about each other and okay. that we're willing to challenge each other. Yeah. Right? Lay it on me. What are your favorites? I mean, first one right off the cuff is Kim Scott's Radical Candor. Yeah. Uh, it's a great book. It's an even better TED Talk, in my opinion. Um, yeah. It's 14 minutes of your time well spent. Um, All right. I'm going to link that in the notes. I love it. That's a that's a good one. I, I love the book Crucial Conversations. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's very powerful. The The only thing that I'm worried about with that is that there's a lot of steps and there's a lot of it's, it's a, it, there's a lot of meat on that bone. And sometimes yeah. when teams go through that, they start to overcomplicate these things. And and in my opinion, the number one most important thing about having what I call courageous conversations, the number one most important thing is to have them. Mm-hmm. Yes, there are rules. Yes, there are strategies. Yes, there are tactics. But th- the number one communication problem in our industry, and in fact, in the world, it's not miscommunication. It's not rude communication. It's not curt communication. It's the absence of communication. Yeah. Right? No, I, I like that a lot. You know, you we're we're sort of in the business of fixing problems that are established, but I think sometimes if you can use the the way back machine and and jump back a little bit and start to lay down some some different patterns of behaviors, you can make a lot of things really much more easier yeah. much easier on yourself. So, for example, one of the things that that I I feel like is an unfair advantage that places with good culture have is that they are they give a lot of feedback. Mm-hmm. And the great thing is if you give a lot of feedback, then giving feedback and coaching when you get to this point is really easy because yep. it's not a hard thing. What's really weird is when you give no feedback right. and now you have to have a conversation with this person. And I look at you and I say, well, you know, just make it, make it casual. Try right. to make it not a big deal. Yeah. It's like, they can't. Oh, it's a big they deal. They got a whole laundry they list can't. of stuff that they haven't talked about for a year. And it's like, you did exactly. this, you did this, you did this. You, wait, there's more. This, this, this. And it's like, <laughs> now I feel like I'm on a, on, on trial. Right. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. Well, even even some of the advice that I see people giving, I've given for giving conversations like, you know, lower the stakes, go off site, go out to dinner. And like, you think that's going to lower the stakes? Right. If you have never, <laughs> ever had coffee with this person off site before, right. you think inviting them to go to coffee with you is not going to send up warning flares right. and to the whole clinic, danger. Right? All of a sudden people yeah. are going to be like, hey. Whatever you do, don't go out to coffee with Dr. Andy. <laughs> That's exactly it. Yeah, totally. And so a lot of it is just if you can get in the habit of giving feedback yeah. all the time, this is super easy. Exactly. And it's just, and people go, that sounds awful. You know, positive feedback is feedback. And people, mm-hmm. again, it goes back to that militaristic, you know, yep. um, uh, you know, command and control idea. It's like, no, it's, it's tell them what's great. Praise them for what they do. Praise them for wins. Ask them how things are going. Ask them how they thought the day went yesterday. What did you guys think? Hey, how did this go? And just ask them so that you can ultimately be like, hey, how did you think things went yesterday? What's good? Hey, what are you what are you working on developmentally? What do you think your goals are for the next year as far as a doctor? And I can make that roll off my tongue because I say crazy stuff like that all the time. Like, hey, what do you think about this? It changes the culture. If you micro, which what you're really talking about is micro dosing communication micro-dosing yeah. feedback. Instead of me waiting until I review every year to get you a giant, huge, honking bolus full of feedback, how yeah. about we just say stuff every day like, hey, Dr. Andy, nice job. And you're like, yeah. and, but? It's like, yeah. no and, no but. Nice job. Hard yeah. stop. Mic drop. Yeah. Or vice versa. Would... Hey, I love you. I think you could do this one thing just a little bit better. Yeah. And they're sort of so, like, so what? It's like, no, that's it. 
You just could have done this yeah. one thing a little bit better. You're okay. I'm okay. Everybody's okay. I'm going to push you on this a little bit in that when, when, I, when I do feedback stuff, I, I think you say, hey, great job. I think the real magic is give them an example. Speak in, in one level more specific than that. Mm-hmm. Hey, great job doing this thing. Mm-hmm. Hey, great job. with. Uh, hey, I saw you talking with the vet student who came to visit today and you were showing them around and, and you, you had their full attention. And I just wanted to say, yeah. hey, I know you're busy. I really appreciate you doing that. That was great. And you you put on such a good face for our practice. I just want to tell you that. I agree. Like it, it's that one click better than, hey, good job or love yep. working with you. It, it, it's, yep. it's trying to trying to hit that a little bit more specifically. Yeah. Well, um, I'm on the field to... a lot. So, I mean, I'm on the floor a lot. So one of the things I love to try to do is give feedback in real time. Yeah. So even then when I say great job, I'm like standing there for a minute, I'm in surgery, I'm watching a new technician or whatever, right? Do something, do a difficult task. They do it. And I'm just like, Hey, we need to do a quick timeout. That was awesome. Am I the only one yeah, who just saw that? Right. Yeah. Right. And then you don't you even know, need to double click on it because you're there. It's happening. You were, you were yeah. there at that exact time, right? If you give somebody applause in the moment, they know what it's yeah. for. If you give them applause two days later, they're like, what did I do again? I don't remember. Yeah. Well, so. and the other thing too is you, you do that five times and you can give some people, you can say something like, hey, could you work on this for exactly. me? And they go, okay. It's because they feel safe That's because right. you've told them that they're great five times before you told them this. Right. You well, know, the other thing I, th- that I want to say, so you had mentioned before, you know, like if we get the specific feedback or say, hey, this is this is the complaint that I've gotten. So sometimes there's coaching, meaning this is generally where we need to go. Sometimes there's feedback in response to a specific thing that happened a couple of days ago. So let's just say uh, this this person uh, was arg- got into an argument with the with the vet tech on the floor. They just just say, uh, well, I need to address that. And so I'm going to have to talk to them about this specific thing that happened. And my my big go to, and this helps me because I'm a, I'm like you. I have to twist my own arm to shut up and let other people talk. But I know how important it is. Um, my favorite thing is the two most powerful words in management are what happened. Yeah. And so I, I just really like to say, Hey, I heard, I heard that there was a, a bit of drama on the treatment room floor yesterday. Uh, and that you were involved. What happened? Yep. Um, what happened? Yep. I, uh, I, t- I coach improv comedy and I have a, t- so a team that I, that I coach. I and I really love this team. I went, I went out of town. I went, uh, you would love this. I went, I went hiking with my wife for a week and we just went up to the Appalachians and I just, my cell, my cell phone didn't work most of the time. And it was great. And I got back and I'd asked someone to coach the improv team for me while I was gone. And while I was gone, there had been an altercation at improv mm. practice and someone's feelings got hurt. And it was had 100% had to do with some feedback and someone's feelings got hurt and they felt they felt defensive or they felt attacked and, and they got really upset and, and blah, blah. And so I came back and I'm walking to this group of people and they've all saw this what happened and I did not see it. And I really I have to say something about it because some, some people's feelings are, are really hurt. And, and so I walked in and I said, guys. I heard about practice last week. What happened? And that was all I said. Yep. And someone goes, I'll go first. Um, I think I made a faux pas. <laughs> and they were like, I think I yeah. made a faux pas when I did this. Thing. And it just, and it was great. That's so it powerful. worked so well. Yeah. It was, but it was so, and like, and they, and again, it, you got to have good people who were like willing to say, I made a horrible misstatement yesterday, last time. And I, I was, I tried to be helpful and I understand that way I did it. I, I, th- I could understand why that would make someone feel like they were being attacked when I never meant it that way. Totally. And, and then, and then we start off and, and it just, it just ironed itself out beautifully in about five minutes mm-hmm. and everyone felt good and felt heard. And then we started to say, okay, let's do some improv. And, and, and that was it. And that was the end of it. And people talked and it, it was, it was great. But that was just an example from last week of, mm-hmm. of like, I wasn't there. I don't know what happened. This could be really tense. 
what happened, guys? And and they and they told me and they sorted out in in a in a meaningful way. So I, I thought that was really good. It's I, a great I, way I, to guide things if you're a talker like you and I both are. I'm not, my version of that. My, I, I was asked. We were the team and I were joking around, just having some lighthearted fun because things have been so intense. Yeah. And one of the things we were doing is pointing out each other's sort of verbal quirks, right? What what are the words that you always say that maybe you don't know you say? And and I asked the same feedback. And when it came to me, I was like, okay, hit me. What what are some of mine? And they said, tell me more. Tell me more. And they said. I said, that's my version of what happened, right? So I'll be in yeah, a conversation with them yeah. and, and they'll start to talk to me. And it's my way of shutting myself the hell up for a second, yeah. because what I want to do is I want to jump in with solutions. Yeah, and when I do. say, mm, tell me more, it's my way of sort of saying, I want you to work through this for a minute. And frankly, I don't have all the information I need. Yeah. Um, and I think stuff like that can, can work. And I, I have one more thing burning desperately in my heart. Can I share sure, one more yeah. thought with you on this scenario? Yeah, of course. My one other thought, and this is, this has taken this whole idea up to 11, but my one other cultural thought is that I absolutely love team dynamic tools. Um, I absolutely love like psychometric instruments. So yeah. for a practice manager, if, if you haven't taken the team through something like DISC or Myers-Briggs or Insights or True Colors or Canine Colors, I can't recommend yeah. those things enough. In fact, there's one that I especially love that most people in our industry don't know about, and it's called Belbin, B-E-L-B-I-N, Belbin Team Roles, okay. um, developed by Dr. Meredith Belbin in the UK many years ago. The reason I like these tools so much is that once you have the team go through and it helps them identify their communication styles, et cetera, it's, it's a very non-aggressive way to call out certain behaviors without coming mm-hmm. across like you're criticizing somebody's soul, yeah. right? So instead of saying, yeah. Dr. Andy, I think you're a very distrustful person. If I can say what, whatever you're doing, right? Hey, you're a bright red. Or, hey, remember when we went through that thing? And, and remember when your communication yeah. style was very heavily weighted towards this? I think that's what's happening here. And, and I think yeah. you're zigging and they're zagging. And it makes the whole thing much more, call it scientific, yeah. right? Rather than having it be, hey, I'm openly criticizing your personality. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so if it, it's something I'm a huge believer in, if anybody ever has any geeky questions about any of that stuff, I'll talk about that stuff all day long. Yeah. I'll, I'll put a link, I'll put a link in the show notes to Belvin as well. We teach disc and uncharted mm-hmm. uh, just for that same reason is that disc. you get people out and they're talking about their communication. Style. I love it because um, again, they, everybody's got their favorite, but we teach disc and uncharted. Uh, Stephanie uh, is, is a great, uh, uh, implementer and, and teacher in disk, but um, but we use it a lot just because it, it's it's quick. You can recognize yourself, and you can recognize other people really yep. quickly in their style and what style they're using. And then again, I think probably the most powerful part of any of these is what you said, which is it shifts us to talking about the communication or the behavior, and shifts us off of talking about the person, and that just makes genuinely more productive conversations. One last Agreed. thing I want to jump back to um, that yeah. you brought up before we go. Uh, I love the holistic team perspective. I love going to the team after we've talked to this person and saying, hey, guys, um, we're going to hit the reset button because you're right. Otherwise, it's confirmation bias. And we've all we've all worked really hard with someone and then sent them out. And then the team immediately reacts uh, to to them based on their previous history. Yep. And we just see it going right back into the old spiral where it's like, OK, I've got reset button hit on this person. But if we don't hit the reset button on the rest of the group, the, this this pattern is going to pick right back up. I need yes. I need I need both 
both sides of this equation to stop pushing into the pattern. And let's try to establish a new pattern. So I love that. I was just going to say, when when, uh, when we talk about a team approach, that does not necessarily mean a team meeting no. or a staff meeting. It might, but it's. Um, I think it's super awkward to, to bring the team together and be like, all right, I've talked to Dave. No, and yeah, this totally. is what we think. Like. So, <laughs> so I just want to make, be clear and say, hey, a lot of times these are these are private conversations just saying, hey, I can't really talk, get into details, but I want to let you know I'm working with this person and they are really committed to, to trying to break out of this habit. And I, I want to ask you to help with that. And so press the reset button, let, uh, you know, and, and try to be supportive and open to the idea that they're trying to do better. And let, let's see how it goes, exactly. but give, give some grace. But, but uh, that can definitely be a private conversation. Mm -hmm. And, and usually there's, um, when we talk about things like this, there are certain people who have personality conflicts specifically. Mm -hmm. And those are the people I really want to make sure I talk to because they are going to be the ones that they're most likely to have a negative interaction with. So for example, uh, let's say that I have a technician on the floor who tends to take things very personally. That may be the person who's going to be, who tends to be most affected by this. And so that might be, the, or maybe they're the most vocal person who has these interactions and then goes and tells the rest of the staff or they, or they vent right. about it or whatever. Or the most influential getting, person. Absolutely. Exactly yep. right. Getting Recruiting those people onto your side as you try to make this coaching uh, adjustment. I think that that's a good use of time and energy. Agreed. Well, and the truth is, if we're really going to be a team, th this, this is not clockwork, right? You can't just, like right. I said, it's not surgery. You can't just take the, the clock pull out the part that's bad, fix it, put it mm -hmm. back in and, and not touch anything else. This is biology. This is an ecosystem, right? Yeah. If you change one thing, you change everything. And I do think it's important, uh, as you said, Dr. Andy, to, to also close the loop. Because one thing that happens to us a lot as leaders in veterinary medicine is someone will approach us with a problem. We'll often go work on that problem. But but as far as that original person knows, I don't know what the hell's going on, Yeah. right? And sometimes just sitting yeah. down with somebody and saying, I appreciate you telling me, I have had a conversation with this person. I'm not going to share the mm. details of that conversation. Right. But here's what I need from you moving forward, right? Now we're yeah. doing a good job and we're, we're, we're taking a holistic approach, which I think is important. Yeah, that's awesome. Brett, uh, thank you so much for being here. Where can people, where can people find you online? Uh, good question. I don't have the kind of social media presence that I would <laughs> like. I keep promising I'm going to do it. And I keep not doing it. But um, between now and then, everyone can always just reach me on my email. I live for this stuff. Um, best email to reach me on is just brett.canfield at comcast.net. And, and Dr. Andy, please feel free to put it in the notes. Um, sure. If I can ever be of service, I love this industry. So I'm I'm happy to geek out over it. The challenge, of course, is getting me off the phone. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, definitely not. But anyway, guys, uh, thanks for being here. Brett, thank you so much for being here. Uh, guys, uh, take care of yourselves, all right? Talk to you later on. Always a pleasure. And that is our episode. Guys, that's what we got for you. I hope you like it. I hope you got something out of it. Um, Brett is fantastic. That's why we have him in uh, to work with us uh, in a variety of different ways. He's really a joy and a pleasure to be there. Um, gang, let's see. Anything else I want to tell you before you go? Thanks to Banfield, the pet hospital. I got to remember to always thank those guys. Uh, they made uh, they made it possible for us to have transcripts. Uh, that's right. We have transcripts for the Uncharted Veterinary Podcast. You can find them at unchartedvet.com. Banfield supports this because they want to increase accessibility and uh, uh, inclusivity in our profession. And so we couldn't do it without them. Always got to thank those guys. Gang, take care of yourselves. Be well. I'll talk to you later on. Bye.